It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. Jason, I want to do something different today because I don't think that I can wait until the end of the episode to do my brand shout out because I mainly because I just want to tell you, Jason, about it. But I also think it's so awesome to tell the listeners as well, because I was just a little bit blown away by something I received in the mail today. So if you have listened to our show before, we typically do brand shout outs, product shout outs, services, anything that we've tried recently and enjoyed. We do that towards the end of most of our episodes on Mondays and Wednesdays. And Jason, I'm, I'm going to ask for you today to save your brand shout out for the end, which is keeping to our regular format. But I hope you don't mind that I just want to talk about mine right off the bat as a fun way to start this episode. Oh, so you want to create a shout out sandwich is what you want to do. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. This is episode is called a shout out sandwich. We're going to flip the script. We're going to rip and dip. We're going to slip and nip like Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, I guess Jason's also revealing to us today that he's in a goofy mood, which is not a common thing. No, so I'm, I'm excited about that. It's the result of drugs. So let's go. Let's <laughs> rock and roll with this episode. <laughs> I was, it's I was like, drugs. what painkiller is causing you to be a little goofy today, I guess? Yeah, that's it's it's one of the advantages of being in uh, post-surgical recovery is, is they you get a lot of good drugs. You do. Okay, so here's the story. And this episode has nothing to do with this product. It's simply that I just feel a little bit amazed at something I received in the mail. And I cannot wait a whole hour or so to share it with you, Jason. And the listener, too. I, I'm like very impressed. And maybe this will excite you as much as it excites me. And then we'll get into today's topic, which actually I could find a tie-in for this. It wasn't exactly related, but I think we can get there. So here's the story of how this came to be. Let me set the stage. When I did my road trip, I received a wonderful box of products from Vegan Essentials. And Vegan Essentials, for those of you that don't know, is almost exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it is a website full of vegan essentials. In other words, like lots of essential foods and a few like body care and home products. I think they have some animal products like for, for your companions. Wonderful, wonderful store run by incredible people that... I've known for many years. I think Jason's known them. And a side note, since this episode comes out in early December, we encourage you to keep listening and subscribe to the show because, spoiler alert, Vegan Essentials is participating in a big giveaway we're doing to celebrate our one-year anniversary. So I really hope you're listening to this episode before we do that giveaway or during the giveaway so that you can get a chance of winning some Vegan Essential products. They sent me this wonderful box full of things for my road trips. My road trip, not plural. I guess it could be plural because one day I'll go on another road trip. But one of the things that they sent me was a special request because I had run out of chapstick. And I'm obsessed with chapstick. I love keeping my lips moist. <laughs> I hate getting dry lips. It drives me nuts. I actually had a experience with that recently because I had a big bout of reactions based on the food sensitivity. 
I talked about this actually in a recent episode. I have food sensitivities. Sometimes they're really confusing. I don't know what causes them. I'm fairly certain that it was caused by gluten, though, this past time because I had a few different pieces of bread, which always feels like a huge splurge to me. And every once in a while, I think I can outdo myself or like trick my body. Hey, I'm not eating gluten. Look the other way. But that didn't work this time. So basically for me, I will eat certain foods and and sometimes it's within 20 minutes. Sometimes it takes 24 to 48 hours. I will get some crazy reaction to the food. And in this case, it caused me to sneeze and need to blow my nose for like an entire day. And as a result of that, my upper lip got really dry and kind of chapped. So all day yesterday, I was just like applying layers and layers of chapstick and feeling very appreciative that I had some, which is not always the case. And I had run out of chapstick while I was on the East Coast and I was so frustrated. I like get to a panic state when I don't have chapstick. Wow. Yeah, like you do? I really do. Like I need to have chapstick around and accessible in all of my bags. I need to have it on my nightstand. I need to have chapstick within reach. And I guess the word need is is perhaps not the best word. I like to have it around. I just don't like that discom- the discomfort, right? So I don't like that uncomfortable feeling of dry lips and not being able to moisturize them. And then I also try to stay on top of keeping my lips moisturized by applying chapstick regularly, right? So it's part of my daily well-being routine, which is to apply chapstick to prevent dry lips, right? So anyways, I asked Vegan Essentials if they would just randomly select one of their chapsticks and send it to me. And they did. They sent me one chapstick from this company called Ladybug Jane that I'd never tried before. They are, of course, vegan, but they're also organic and cruelty-free. And for those of you who aren't vegan or perhaps are, are newer vegans and didn't realize this, the great majority of chapsticks contain beeswax. To add another layer of complexity, it's hard sometimes to find a really good vegan chapstick. And I've tried a lot of them over the years. But if you go to the store, depending on the store, if it's not a fully vegan store which is most stores are not fully vegan. You have to go through like 90% of chapsticks to maybe find one option and they tend to be a little lame, right? So this is where my passion for chapstick comes in. Not only do I want to find a vegan chapstick and ideally an organic one that's made with high quality ingredients, but the most amazing chapstick lines have different flavors. And Jason, this is why I can't wait to share this brand shout out. Today like an hour or less before we started recording this episode, I picked up a box from my P.O. box. I didn't know what was inside it. I opened it up and Ladybug Jane sent me, I think, every single one of their flavors of chapstick. I have not counted them, but let's see here. Two, four, six, eight, ten. I think they sent me 20 chapsticks. I'm not kidding. What? 20? And the reason why is because... I posted about how much I loved their chapstick that Vegan Essentials sent me, which was, Jason, you'll be happy to hear, an orange creamsicle flavor, just like your cat, Julius, you like to call him an orange creamsicle. That was the flavor of chapstick they sent, and I loved it. And then I misplaced it in my car for weeks. I finally found it a few days ago. But previous to finding it, I posted on Instagram 
that I love the chapstick so much and I lost it. And Ladybug Jane said, don't worry, we'll send you a replacement. They didn't just send me one, two or three, which is what I expected. No, no, no. They sent me, I think, let's see, 10, 12, 14, 18, 18 chapsticks. I don't know if they're all different, but I think they are. And so I just picked one out to try. This one is a caramel popcorn flavor. It is incredible. It tastes sweet. It tastes like such a treat. I am blown away by it. It is made with stevia too. Another perk, no sugar. They use avocado oil, cocoa butter, sunflower oil, evening primrose oil, aloe leaf extract. I mean, this is really incredible. But the other flavors, I literally right now wish I could do this and open all of them up and try them because the other flavors are insane. They have a watermelon. They have a vanilla cupcake, a chocolate. They have a sugar cookie. They have berries and lavenders, mango. What else we got here? Can you hear the sound, the little ASMR of all of them in the bag? Yeah. And also like FYI, I'm on their website as you're telling me about them. Yeah. And I have met the owner. I've met Jane herself years ago, actually. What? Yeah. How and where? It was a long time ago, and it was through kind of the general West Side Venice vegan community. I haven't seen her in years, but when as I was scrolling through, I was like, this name sounds so familiar. And then I saw a picture of Jane May Graves, the founder of the company, and I'm like, oh, I know her. I met her years ago. Very sweet, very kind. So I tried this lip balm, Whitney, but it was years ago. The branding was different. They didn't have as many flavors. So I have been exposed to this, but not a long time. It's really impressive. And they're not sponsoring us by any means, unless you count receiving 18 chapsticks as sponsorship, which I'm fine with because I am so elated right now because I lose chapstick frequently as much as I try not to. And I was really sad when I lost, or I should say misplaced it because I did eventually find it. It was like tucked away in like the sheets of the mattress that I used to sleep in my car. And I, I looked for it frantically. I was really upset. Like this is just goes to show how important chapstick is to me. So if anyone's listening and laughing because you can relate or laughing perhaps because you can't relate, that's fine. But I feel like chapstick is one of those things that most people use. And if you're looking for a vegan, organic, and fun brand to try, I highly recommend them. And I am particular about this. There's been only a few brands of chapsticks that I have really fallen in love with. And this has been added to the collection. Thanks to Ladybug Jane and to Vegan Essentials for introducing me. All right. So Jason will be sharing his brand shout out, which I hope he is just as excited about. But before we get to that, since that's going to be at the end of the episode, let's dive into the topic today. And that is on... The energy of selling and marketing. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because we have been participating in a bundle sale. By the time you, the listener, hear this, the bundle sale will have ended. You may have heard us talking about it in our newsletter. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard some of the ads that we ran for that. We included our program, The Consistency Code, in this bundle sale. And if you're completely unfamiliar with bundle sales and you didn't receive our newsletters or hear our episodes, in essence, it's when a group of people get together to sell their products and services. 
And the reason we did it this year is because we were just kind of curious to see how it was going to go. It was, a, it was a new one. We've we've participated in a bundle sale from another company for many years, and we wanted to try something new. Plus, honestly, it's really nice to offer a discount to people. Our course was $50, which is 75% off, and you got all these bonuses. So it felt like a way to be generous and give back to people that are looking for a deal, you know? But what's interesting about this is the energy behind selling, which I want to get into today, and also B, the conflict that I had internally about selling to people because it sometimes feels like it's not fully in line with my ethics to do things like this. And I'll, I'll explain why. So number one, I had a conversation with a friend of ours, Jason, who's I'm not going to name because he didn't give me permission, but I'll give a little hint to you, Jason, and to the listener. This is obviously a guy. I just said that. It's a he. And he has also been a guest of our podcast, but that's all I'll say. I know who it is. Say no more. You know who it is? Out of all of the men that have been on our show, you instantly know who it is? Yes. My intuition has been <laughs> ferociously honed. <laughs> Or have you read my mind, I guess, is the other question. I just know. I just, you, you and I also have been friends long enough where I feel like we pick up on each other's cues almost like psychically sometimes. Mm -hmm. So anyway, continue. Okay, fair enough. We were texting and catching up yesterday about life post Thanksgiving. And he was saying how it's harder and harder for him to stay in the selling mood. And he just feels like it's... I'm going through the text right now just to make sure that I get some of the wording right because I, I really thought this was was super interesting. He was talking about how it's such a grind to sell and how some people have a really easy time selling. Sometimes it comes naturally to people. Sometimes people just have that audience that is ready to buy. And he's also telling me about his lack of enthusiasm for selling and that it has led to a burnout feeling which is not really worth pushing through if he's only going to achieve lackluster results. And gosh, could I relate to that? I mean, I feel like Jason and I have felt a lot of the same things. And we've talked about this off and on throughout the show. So hopefully we can cover it in a little bit of a different way. I guess I was reflecting on that plus how it feels really odd to promote something, at least this year in 2020. I think I felt this in other ways, but definitely stronger in 2020, given that so many people are struggling financially to promote something of like a product of yours and encourage people to buy something, especially I think through the bundle, because a lot of people lead with this marketing tactic of, hey, like get this great deal. You're never going to get it again. Or, hey, this is such a huge value. You can't miss out on this, right? And I was, I've been listening to an ebook. Let me find the title of it. It's something, I think it's called like A Year of Less or something. Let me make sure. Yes, it is called The Year of Less by Kate Flanders. I will link to that in the show notes. If you have not visited our website or our show notes before, you can go to wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. I'll link to the book. I'll link to the chapstick. We'll link to everything we talk about today to make it easy for you. There's a resource section at the end of every show notes for each of these episodes, just to make it super easy for you, the listener, to check out anything we mentioned. And this book is wonderful. And in this book, she talked about how 
it is so tempting, especially during Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, like those days, this weekend in particular is incredibly tempting. But then we have sales throughout the entire year. We have sales around holidays like Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. We have New Year's specials. We have Valentine's Day and summer specials and you know, on and on and on. There, there's pretty much always a sale. And sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable doing a sale, even though it feels good to be generous, as I was saying. It feels good to give somebody a discount, right? That truly is generous. Like Jason and I have spent a lot of time and energy creating programs like the Consistency Code, and we have invested so much. We value them. We want people to get something out of them. That's why they're priced the way that they are. The consistency code is $195 normally. We put it in this bundle sale for $50 and that feels generous to us, right? But then simultaneously, I feel a little conflict. Like I'm encouraging people to spend their money. And it's interesting, right? Because that's part of being an entrepreneur or a small business owner. It's like if you create something that you believe in, of course you want to sell it. You want to be proud of marketing it. But there's like simultaneously this feeling of like, am I doing this for me? Am I doing this just to make money or am I doing this to help people? And I genuinely feel like I'm helping people, but I, certainly it is to make money. It is to to keep things going. You, you know, like with this podcast, for example, like we don't make much money off of this podcast. We do it out of, of, our desires to help people. We enjoy doing this podcast, but we do need to make some money in order to keep this going. Otherwise, we can't justify the time. And Jason and I have created programs like the Consistency Code and Wellness Warrior Training because we want to help people and people are looking for support with these things, but they're also part of our business plans. And so I don't really have an issue with marketing and selling in general, but I think there's a particular feeling of like, hesitation or burnout or like some other energy. I I can't quite put my finger on, Jason, and I'm curious to see how you feel about it. Like right now during Black Friday, I think it's just because so many people are promoting their sales. Is it that like I feel a little weird participating in all that, quote, madness and all that intensity and all that like FOMO, that fear of missing out? Like, am I perpetuating that cycle and encouraging people to buy out of a place of scarcity? I think that's really where this is at. I have so many, so many thoughts. I think what you just said, Whitney, at the core of your hesitation or your concern is something that I also share with you and with our friend who's talking about this feeling of burnout. I think at the core, if we look at, you know, kind of the the origins of marketing as we know it, you know, the origins of, I suppose, modern advertising, there was a person, Edward Bernays. So Edward Bernays was a nephew of Sigmund Freud, one of the fathers of modern psychotherapy. Edward Bernays came to the United States, and I suppose he's one of the most hundred influential Americans of the 20th century. He orchestrated these modern pivotal advertising campaigns and and he used psychoanalysis and used these foundational subconscious marketing techniques to create the advertising industry as we know it, right? And he's sort of the father of mass manipulation. If you will link to articles about Edward Bernays and modern advertising, but you know, I remember Whitney when I worked in the advertising industry before doing wellness and chefing and all the things we're doing now. And I remember sitting in meetings, J. Walter Thompson, which 
still J. Walter Thompson Worldwide is still one of the biggest ad agencies in the world. So my first job out of college was working for one of the biggest ad agencies on the planet. And I remember talking about the subconscious motives of why people buy what they do, right? And at that time, I was the team for Ford SUVs and trucks, like the whole no boundaries thing when that campaign was out. And so we had the Explorer, we had the Excursion, we had the Explorer Sport Track, we had all these big giant SUVs. And we were talking about some of the taglines and the imagery and also how the cars are designed, that the front grille and the look of a vehicle is supposed to mimic almost a predatorial, animalistic feel to it. That when you're driving this giant behemoth, this huge truck, this sports car, this SUV, that it's this subconscious feeling of dominant aggression toward other drivers. That if you have a big, hulking, menacing, angry looking vehicle, people will get the fuck out of your way. Therefore, you're safer. Like these are the actual conversations we would have. So, Deeper than that, I think what what you're talking about and the issue that I have too is that there's a rote, recycled set of language and copy and manipulation tactics to get people to buy things. And scarcity is a big one, right? It's if you don't act now, you'll miss out. Don't miss out. Hey, final call. Don't let this pass you by. Hey, if you fuck this up, you might not get another chance. It's the same tactics and the same language being recycled over and over. So over Black Friday, I was kind of just perusing through the emails, you know, because much like you probably wit and you, dear listener, you probably got bombarded with hundreds and hundreds of Black Friday, you know, Small Business Saturday, Giving Sunday, Cyber Monday, Takeout Tuesday. I mean, this is going to be five days of, of bombardment, right? But it's the same copy, the same psychological techniques. It's it's rare for me to see an email or a piece of communication around this time of year or any time of year regarding marketing that isn't something that we've already seen before and isn't tired and old and like, Jesus, the same shit over and over again. So for you, that's the issue I have with it is it's a lack of creativity, but it's also pandering to the lowest common denominator of scarcity and lack which let's be honest, scarcity and lack is one of the primary illusions that drives our toxic capitalist system. There's not enough for you. Hey, you over there, there's some for you, but not enough for you guys over here. Like that really is one of the foundations of our capitalist system. Right. And and what's challenging, and I think part of the reason that we do continue to market things, right? Like we're not saying that we're going to stop marketing because we deeply believe in our programs like the consistency code, you know, and and it's interesting because human beings, there's a tendency in our behavior and we often need a mentor, a guide, a coach, somebody to push us to do things, right? So I think marketing is part of that. Marketing is just simply saying, hey, this is something that you might want or need, and now's a good time to buy it, right? Like there's that side of it. And I think ultimately, that's why we've been part of these bundles. And this was actually a huge part of the reason we participated this year is we weren't that concerned about the money. Because as I said, and was kind of quoting uh, this anonymous friend of mine on we don't usually make that much money from these bundle sales because we're not willing to push ourselves to the place of burnout. And actually, even when we have pushed ourselves to the place of burnout, we haven't made that much money. And Jason and I really hesitated to do a bundle in the first place for that very reason. We thought like, what's the point? Like we've burnt ourselves out 
And and actually, considering that most of these bundles that we've done in the past have actually fallen on Black Friday, there have been so many Thanksgivings over the past, I think, like four or five years that I've been doing these, that I have been working on Thanksgiving and getting up at the crack of dawn on Black Friday to finish the work. And then I was trying to do all the work ahead of time, but I still found myself last year in 2019 working on Thanksgiving. I remember very vividly, and I I planned the Thanksgiving plans I had around the fact that I was going to work. I was like setting it up, the people that I was with on Thanksgiving, I said, just so you know, I'm going to be doing some work tonight. I'm going to go take a break at some point to do this work. This year, I did not do that. And that was such an incredible feeling. Jason and I consciously decided that we were not going to put a ton of effort in in it. Like we said, we sent some newsletters. We posted about it on social media a little bit, mostly on Instagram. And we made some ads for our podcast, right? And that was still work, right? Like we did need to put in that effort. And I think part of the, well, let me finish the the point of that thought before I get to another one, which is the reason that we put in that effort is because we want people like you, the listener, to know that the consistency code exists. And yes, it would be really nice if you wanted to spend $195 on the program. But if you don't have that money, we can certainly make it easier for you by selling it to you for $50 as well as all these bonuses, right? We would rather make less money but have you part of a program that we're making than not have you in it at all. And that's a huge thing. And we knew that we are going to introduce that program to hundreds of people through doing these bundles. And that was one of the big motivators. Now, a whole nother story that I don't know if we'll get into during this episode is the psychology of people signing up for things and never using it or buying things and never using them. I mean, I certainly think that's at least part of this conversation because I have a problem with that too. It's like you spend all this money or time searching for deals for what reason? To get something that you never use, to get something that you only partially use, to get something that you only use once or a few times, to add more clutter to your life physically or digitally. You know, I have a a huge conflict with that too. I downloaded all of the program or all of the ebooks that were part of this bundle sale and I glanced at them and I'm probably never going to look at them again, to be honest. (laughs) Like there's just too much. And I think that's part of it too, Jason, is like over these years, we've thought, oh, like we're giving so much value to people by participating in these bundles, but maybe it's too much. Maybe it's actually better to just give somebody one thing to focus on. People get into this either analysis paralysis or like that overwhelm of having to choose and that overwhelm of having too much to do. I think that's a huge problem too. And reflecting on these bundles and for the listener, like I'm certainly not trying to discourage you. Like if if you are going to utilize them or if it does feel valuable, I mean, maybe you get a bundle simply just to get our program, right? Like that's great. You don't need to use anything else. Like just buy our program for $50. Like that I think is worth it. But the energetic weight of having like 80 plus other products there for you, I don't know if that feels good. And I wonder if people don't buy bundles for that very reason. And then I totally could relate to that. I think it's just a complicated thing. And It'd be interesting, like maybe we offer the consistency code for $50 without a bundle sometime and just to see how it resonates with people. I think sales, though, are gen- are interesting because I don't know if that necessarily moves the needle. 
And I'm curious for you, the listener, like send us an email or send us a direct message or a public comment on your thoughts on this, because I'm genuinely curious, like what would even drive you to sign up for something? Because ultimately our goal, as I said, is to get you the results that we're offering through our program, the consistency code. In this case, we also have wellness warrior training, but the consistency code is our, our focus at this moment. That's what we've been promoting. And I'm super excited about it. I feel proud of it. I want people to participate in it. But as I said, it's interesting that even the people that signed up for the consistency code through this bundle sale are are very inactive. Like a like maybe maybe one percent, maybe less than that. Maybe half a percent of the people that signed up for the consistency code have taken any action at all since they bought it. And I'm I'm thinking like, what are they waiting for? Are they waiting? for another day? Like, are they ever going to use it? Chances are no. And this is what we've noticed time and time again. It's usually closer to 10% of people that take action. But this time, when you look at the numbers of people that sign up for something versus the people that actually use it, it can be really small. And so that's when I wonder, what's the point of even signing up for it in the first place? Well, this is a point of frustration, I think, because on the one hand, as business owners and entrepreneurs, of course, we want to generate capital and we want to generate income so we can keep the business going and literally keep the lights on. There's a very pragmatic part of that of like, yeah, we live in a capitalist country. The mechanisms of how our financial system work are what they are until we revise or replace them with something else, which in our lifetime, that may or may not happen. I venture to say that it will for a litany of other reasons. But you know, we're in a space of like, yeah, if we are in business, we need to sell things. Now, does that mean every single person who's in business has to sell? No, there's a couple exceptions. I won't get into the details of it, but I know two people personally who exist on word of mouth referrals. They don't have social media pages. They don't advertise. They don't take out Google ads, nothing. It's all word of mouth. I would be curious to see statistics on that, but I have to imagine, Whitney, that that's a grandiose anomaly in 2020, that people thrive solely on word of mouth referrals. But I know two people that are doing it and it's it's fucking amazing. It's like a relic from a, a bygone era, but God bless them. They're outliers. So there's the side of it that we want to obviously give people programs, products, books, courses, coaching, things that we think are going to uplift their lives. But it's like after we make the sale and we enroll someone, if they don't use it, it's almost a little frustrating for me of, well, thank you for paying us, but are you going to do anything with this? There, there was an interesting person when I launched my first course back in 2017, My Healthy Hustle. There was a person who bought I had I had different tiers of packages, you know, it's like I had the basic package of the course and then I had upgrades. And the highest upgrade was buying a package of coaching sessions, private coaching sessions. So they'd get the My Healthy Hustle course and then in addition because they got the grand package, they would get coaching with me. I followed up with this person multiple times. Whitney, they never contacted me back for coaching. They bought this whatever it was, $1500 package and never took me up on the coaching. It was like, and they never asked for a refund, nothing. It was the most bizarre thing. So to your point, it's like, yeah, thank you for the abundance that we can con continue our business going and continue offering this podcast. But are you going to use the damn thing? It's so odd to me. Yeah, it is odd. And I've had that same experience. And I, I guess I've kind of gotten used to it. And it's just part of the human condition. You know, I, I'm very curious about 
people's motivations, like why they do something and why they don't do them. And sometimes I just have to come to a place of acceptance, you know, and it is interesting, like as a coach, when you see somebody invest a lot of time and or money into something and and not do much with it. And I've seen this a lot like with my private clients too. And I get so lit up though when somebody that I'm coaching does the work. This is actually happening with one of my coaching clients. I am blown away. Like she does the work so fast. I feel like behind, (laughs) you know, we'll finish a call and I'll think, okay, I'll send her the summary or the resources later. There's no rush to it because there usually isn't with other people, but she'll, she'll be messaging me like later that day or the next day, like, Hey, can you send me this thing? I want to get working on it. And I'm just like amazed by those type of people. And I've also seen some of those people that are really good at taking action at some phases in their lives. Lives and other times not. Um, I mean, there's another person that comes to mind who I used to call my star student because this person would would just take action so quickly and was making all this progress. And then years later, the progress stopped and they paused and they, you know, things changed a lot. So I also have seen it in all different phases. And I think each of us just are at different places in our lives with why we're doing things. I think a lot of people buy something and realize they don't need it or they buy something and realize they don't want it right now and they'll use it later. <laughs> this happened to me actually. I realized I had a piece of software that I bought in 2013 and completely forgot that I had it until they sent me an email that implied that I had already purchased it and I was like, what do they mean? Like I don't remember purchasing this and then I went and looked back and thought Oh, wow. Like I have access to this. I had no idea. And I've done that with so many courses. And that's actually one of the huge reasons we created the consistency code is because we don't believe that you need any more stuff or any more information. You just need to be consistent with using it. And that's the ironic part of this program, Jason, is I remember when we first launched it in January 2020, we did the live program. And I think it was about 10% of people even showed up to the live calls. And I, I think they just keep thinking to themselves, I'll use this later. I'll do it later. But again, like that's so counter to the whole point of enrolling the program. The program is not to keep putting things off, to procrastinate them. You have to simply commit to doing them or realize that you'll probably never do them at all. But many of us, I think through marketing, and this is part of the issue here, is that we just overextend ourselves. This is also one of the fascinating elements of a book called do nothing that I read named uh, by Celeste. I think her last name is pronounced Headley or Headley. She's actually a phenomenal uh, broadcast journalist and also a great author. I'm reading a, another book now that she wrote about communication. And I just love the way she writes. I highly recommend listening to the audiobook of Do Nothing and, and or reading it. And she talks about how there's this whole history in terms of the reason that we work so hard in our obsession with productivity and how you know we just get into this place of of massive overwhelm and i think that we basically just fill our lives with so much that we don't even know what to do with it anymore you know we're used to hustling all the time and doing so much and we have all these big goals and dreams but ultimately there's only so much that we're physically, mentally, and emotionally able to handle. But because we're in this capitalist world of just more, 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 and never feeling like enough, 
we accumulate a ton of stuff. And then the problem becomes even worse because we haven't felt enough. So we're trying to fill up the gaps. We're trying to feel enough. We're trying to do our best. But when we have too much on our shoulders, based on everything that we've bought and enrolled in and agreed to do, we actually start end up end up feeling worse about ourselves, not better. It's not really fixing the problem. But marketing convinces us of that. And many of, of you, the listener, have likely heard this, especially true in the beauty industry. We are marketed and convinced through marketing that we're not enough. We're not pretty enough. We're too young or we're too old or we're too heavy in our bodies. We're too slender in our bodies. We don't have enough muscle tone, you know, on and on and on. All of these not enough messages that we're constantly given, that is a way of convincing ourselves that we need more. And I've noticed myself shifting in terms of any of my marketing. I never want anyone to feel like they they need to buy my product to feel enough. And we've talked about this in some of our episodes I've made a pivot because I used to do that type of marketing, not from a greedy perspective, because that's how I was trained to market. Exactly. You know, in in some of our episodes, especially the one with Corbett Barr, which let's see, that just came out this past Friday. Highly recommend listening to it. It's one of my favorite episodes. He talks a bit about minimalism and especially digital housekeeping. And one of the things that we touched upon in that episode and again in, in some others is how Jason and I have each gone through our careers as entrepreneurs, our evolutions, our journeys here, just trying to figure out where we fit in and what feels right to us, right? And of course, it's an ongoing evolution. It's We're never going to get to a specific destination. We're constantly learning. A lot of our training has been this marketing that we're talking about here. It's been like using psychological tactics to convince people to buy something. But like, again, ethically, I don't feel fully right about that. Like, I want some somebody to buy something of mine because they feel really good about it. I want it to like feel like a yes to them. And I think marketing has done us a big disservice because it's, it's confused us. We don't even know what to say yes or no to anymore. We see a sale and some of us feel kind of weak. And we think, oh, like, you know what? I just have to buy it. Maybe I'll use it one day. Or maybe we feel that fear of missing out. Oh, if I don't get this sale, this is this happens to me. I noticed this a lot during Black Friday 2020 is when those emails would come in. I wanted to read them just so I knew what the sale was because I didn't want to miss out on a good deal. And there was one that I looked at and examined and I thought, gosh, will it ever be this inexpensive again? Like maybe I should take advantage of it. And then if you step back from that, you realize like if you really want something, you'll pay the price, whatever it is, you know, you'll save up your money. I'm actually doing this myself. I really want a new iPad, like very badly, mainly because my iPad that I currently have, I use it almost every single day to read. You hear me mention a lot of books on this show. If you didn't know this already, I read constantly. I love reading digital books on my iPad. And so That's a product that is a huge part of my life. My iPad is cracked. It's old. It's outdated. I can't update the software. And most importantly, I have actually developed a really big passion for drawing, like doing artwork. And I love doing it on a digital device. And Apple now has this like cool pencil that you can use that doesn't work with my old iPad. Long story short, I really, really want an iPad. But I 
Currently with my budget, it doesn't make sense for me to spend that money. So I just decided the other day, I'm going to save up for it. I'm going to wait until I have that money. I'm not going to put it on a credit card and put myself in more debt. I'm going to save the money up and buy the money when uh, buy the iPad when I have that actual cash in my hand. And through that process, it's teaching me how important it is. And through that process, I get to continuously check in with myself to make sure that I actually want it. And then it becomes more valuable as a result of it. That feels so much better than impulse buying or putting something on my credit card just because it's a good deal right now. It's fine with me to pay full price, especially if I'm saving up for it, because it helps me value it that much more. It helps me realize the place that it has in my life. Yeah, the idea of how we value things is a really fascinating thing. And, you know, I've noticed over the years that when I give things away for free, people don't use them or value them as much as if they pay for them. And consequently, too, you know, I've also noticed that when I've done concerts, that there's also a similar kind of vibe between the ticket price that I would charge for an event, like a speaking event or a concert I would play with a band, right? That if people get in the door for five bucks or they get in the door for free or they're comped, generally, not always, their behavior, demeanor, level of appreciation and attention is different than if, say, they paid like, you know, $55 for a ticket. And it's it's interesting, right? It's But it's not guaranteed. Like we said, you know, people can pay prepay for coaching calls and never take them up. There are outsiders and anomalies to all of this. But I do think to your point, Whitney, is that if we assign a certain value to a thing or an experience and really invest ourselves in it, it's not necessarily about the outcome of what the thing is going to provide for us or having it create an outcome, although that's the sticky thing with courses and with books and trainings and you know people sign up for $50,000 masterminds with certain people, they do expect an outcome. you know, And it's a bit tough, I think, also when we're offering what we offer in the world, that if people think it's going to fix them, cure them, help them, you know, we can't guarantee any of those things. But the language that people use around marketing courses and books and coaching and masterminds often does lean into this idea of it will make you X amount of money. It will solve your problem. It will provide a cure for whatever this thing is that's ailing you. And to kind of go back to some of the training we've done, because we've invested, I mean, I I wouldn't even know unless we calculated it, but over the years between books and trainings and coaching and conferences, I mean, tens and tens of thousands of dollars, right, to grow and learn and expand ourselves. But going back to the original point of this conversation, one of the last trainings we did, we were involved in a coaching program last year to assist entrepreneurs in refining their offers and growing their businesses, scaling, building a mailing list, all that. And I don't know if I ever told you this, Whitney, but one of the biggest issues that I had with their strategy and their recommendations, which again, mirrors a lot of people in the industry, was you know survey the audience, find out what their issues and concerns are, and then add, quote, agitate the problem, right? In your emails, in your copy, name the problem, create a point of relation of, hey, we've struggled with this too, and then agitate it. Like, hey, does it keep you up at night? Does it cause you to overwork and not see your family as much? Do you feel disconnected from loved ones? You know, this whole agitation of a problem, it just never sat well with me. It's like, you're almost trying to reinforce a person that something's wrong with them. Hey, you're not making enough money. Hey, you're not successful enough. Hey, you're doing it wrong. 
If you're burning yourself out, you can't see your family, you're doing it wrong. So here's a way for you to do it right. And I don't know what the answer is, Wit. Like I, I think you and I, and especially when I write our Wellevator emails or you and I work on copy together, I'm always trying to think about how can I communicate with a person like a human, have a conversation with them, and not try and agitate or create a problem that may or may not even be there. Does that make sense? It's like, I don't want to implant an idea in someone's mind that something's wrong with them if there isn't, just to sell them something. And I feel like most of the marketing that goes on, not just in the wellness or entrepreneurial world, but you mentioned cosmetics, I mentioned cars. We see it in every industry. Hey, you're not enough. You don't have this thing. You don't look this way. You don't speak this way. You don't dress this way. You must be a loser. You must not have a lot of love in your... I mean, there's a million different offshoots and tentacles of this, but the whole like creating problems and agitating them, I just, I don't feel good about that style of marketing anymore. And maybe, and to be honest, I don't think I ever did. I think I was doing it because that's what the coaches or experts or people that, that we looked up to that were quote ahead of us were doing. And it was like, well, it worked for them. So it's got to work. Right. But where you and I are getting to in these conversations, certainly in this episode is like, "Mm, it worked for them maybe because they don't mind agitating a problem or pointing out something that's quote wrong with someone or convincing something's wrong. I don't want to do that anymore. It doesn't feel respectful. It doesn't feel kind. It doesn't resonate anymore. Yeah, it's interesting because I haven't actually thought about it from that perspective, Jason. I'm glad that you shared that because it gives me some things to reflect upon. I think from my perspective, I thought I was being helpful, you know, and I think a lot of marketers do believe that they're being helpful by pointing those things out. But it's really eye opening when you phrase it that way, Jason, because certainly our huge aim with Wellevator is to make people feel enough, not not enough. You know, like we don't want to remind people of what's going wrong in their lives. And because you're right, that is a little manipulative. It's like, you know, of course people struggle with these things. Like I think it's a universal experience, but to single someone out and make them feel like uh, they need something from us is very, very manipulative. And the thing is, it's an unraveling and I'm noticing it I catch myself doing these things and it's going to take us some time to disconnect from the system. We're not saying that we figured this out yet. We have a long way to go. We're kind of tuning into ourselves and we hope that you, the listener, are getting an insight into us and thinking about your purchasing decisions. And if you yourself do marketing, thinking about how you're doing it as well. I think there's so many different takeaways from this. And I think about myself as a consumer. I think about myself as a creator. And it does tie back into this world of influencer marketing for sure. I mean, I think part of the reason that this particular process of being part of a bundle sale and and part of the reason Jason and I really hesitated at first to participate is because it does feel kind of old school, you know? And it's ironic in a way because You've got all these people that look like they're hip and modern and they're on the cutting edge, but really they're using these old school tactics. And I think that is on the deeper level why you, Jason, myself, and our our anonymous friend here, all of us have been doing this for so long. It feels old to us versus 
some of the newer influencers, the newer content creators, the newer, you know, entrepreneurs, it might not feel old to them because they're new to it and they think this is the way that you should be doing it, if that makes sense. We've gone through those stages ourselves. So that's where I've kind of recognized this because I studied so much of the marketing for many, many years. And it was based in kind of the older ways of doing things. And when you look at the history through some the lens of someone like Celeste who wrote do nothing. She shares like where a lot of these mindsets about productivity and hustle and grinding came into place. They are simultaneously old and simultaneously new. This has only been going on for like a hundred years or so, maybe a little bit more. I don't remember the exact date of when the nine to five was created. I know there's that was around the time of Ford and and I get a, the, the history a little muddled up in my head. That's why I recommend for you, the listener, to read that book, Do Nothing, because it's just such a great read on productivity, efficiency, the hustle culture, all of that. I think if we recognize that there's two things at play here. One is that this is the, quote, old way of doing things, if you consider 100 years or less old, (laughs) and simultaneously the new way of doing things, because 100 years isn't that long. As human beings, we are still going through major evolution. We are still figuring out so much the world is rapidly changing around us and that can feel so unsettling that can cause uncertainty. But of course it's unsettling. Of course it feels uncertain because it's relatively new. Even our technology is so new. Like being able to podcast the way that we're podcasting right now is new. Using our iPhones to go on Instagram, that is new. And yet for some people it feels old. So it's like this weird mental confusion that we've created. And buying things, getting sales, like being able to shop online, that's all new too. And it's like our brains are struggling to catch up. And that's why it can feel so scary or frustrating and cause anxiety and burnout and all of these tough emotions. It's like our brains are like, what the heck is going on? And we have so much information, we don't even know what to do with it. And now you're giving us even more information. And it's just like, there's so much at play here. Going back to that influencer side of things, Jason, I think that's part of the conflict that I have is, you know, in these bundle sales, we're partnered up with all of these content creators, influencers, and entrepreneurs. Most of them are classified as influencers. And I was talking about this yesterday to somebody because I actually didn't bring this up to you, Jason. I was afraid it was going to trigger you. But I'll, you know, if I'm going to trigger you, I might as well do it online so we can talk. I mean, on the podcast so we can talk about it openly. The bundle sale that we're currently part of has been sharing some of the results that people are getting. And I don't, I don't know if you've seen any of this, Jason, but some of these people have literally made $20,000 in the past week. $20,000 in one week. Okay. And... When I read that, I think a few things come to mind for me. One, it's like, what? Like, I've never made that much money in that short a time. Have you ever, Jason? I guess like maybe from acting. Have any of your like on-camera roles paid you that much money for a week or or less worth of work? Yeah. uh, And also when I was doing the TV series, I was paid pretty well for that. So yeah, I mean, I have made, I don't want to get into specific numbers, but I have made that kind of money in a week. 
It's not a consistent thing by any stretch of the imagination. It'd be nice to have that, but I have experienced it before and it's 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 a rush. You know it is. It's it's a it's a wonderful feeling to make that kind of income in a in a relatively short period of time. I bet. I don't think that's ever happened to me. And it's interesting because there's part of me that's like, wow, like wouldn't that be nice? Cuz personally, the way that I live my life, if I made 20 grand in a week, I'd be pretty set. I live a pretty minimal life. 20 grand would would get me personally very far. I feel like I could kick back and maybe do like a few more weeks, maybe a few more months of work and be good for the year. And that sounds amazing, right? That time freedom that 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 amount of money can give somebody sounds great. And yet, as I mentioned, it's all relative, right? So for this person who's who's who has actually achieved that, uh doing the same exact bundle sale that we've been doing, like I don't know if that feels like enough money to them. Maybe their lifestyle is really grand and $20,000 doesn't give them that much. Maybe they have debt to pay. Maybe, you know, that's the thing with money is it's very relative to each of us. And so to get to a place of jealousy or admiration, like doesn't really serve us, right? Um, And what also doesn't serve us is thinking like, wow, how did that person do that? And how did I not accomplish that? Right. Like Jason and I are not pulling in that much money, even close to that amount of money doing these bundle sales. Like that's a pretty big achievement that we have not experienced. And that's okay. In the past, I have seen numbers like that and fallen deep into into the comparison trap and thought, wow, like what's wrong with me that I haven't achieved that? What am I doing wrong? How am I failing? And I'm very grateful that I have come to a place where for the most part, I can see that result for somebody else and just feel like, wow, that's remarkable and good for them. Like genuinely think that. But I also have this hunch, Jason, I don't know if it's because I know enough about some of these people that are making that much money because I know them personally or I've gathered enough information about them. I don't think that they feel that fulfilled achieving that. And that was a huge aha moment where I thought, you know what? My hunch is that making that much money is not that big of a deal to them. Meaning like it would be a huge deal if I again, if I made that much money, I'd be like a speechless. Like I don't even know what I would do if I made that much money in a week. It sounds awesome, but for them it might not be that awesome. It might not be that exciting. It it might not be life-changing or year-changing whatever for them. It might just be like, okay, cool. Like I do this all the time. Or okay, cool. Like I still have a ton of other problems to deal with. You know what I mean? So it's like fascinating when you examine those things. And then simultaneously, Jason, the conversation I was having with my friend, the anonymous friend, was that I'm not willing to do the work that it takes to get to that place, right? Like we've talked about this before. Like I'm not willing to sacrifice sleep and stress myself out. I'm not willing to take the photos that I might need to take for Instagram to get those results. Like if I look at the the that person's Instagram feed, I'm not willing to do that because that person might be taking a certain type of photos that I don't really want to take. That person might be hiring a ton of people and investing a lot of money to get incredible videos and photos. That person, as I said, might not sleep as much as me because they're so busy doing photo shoots and videos and writing captions and setting themselves up for years and years to get to that place. 
And so if I kind of pick apart and examine it, I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? It's not really worth it for me to make 20 grand in a week. It sounds cool in theory, but a lot of us don't even recognize how much work that actually takes. It just seems easy to right now. It seems like, oh, well, that person just l- lucked into getting all of these people that want to buy from them. But it's not that easy, in, at least in my experience. And if it is easy for somebody, like that to me is a rare case. That That is like an exception, not the rule, because social media in general is not easy for most people. It, it truly is a grind and a hustle that some people choose. And at this stage in my life, I don't want to choose that. I really think it comes down to why are we doing what we do? And you and I have talked about the importance of getting clear about our why. It's one of the main teachings in the consistency code we talk about is really, really getting clear about our why. And not a, not a surface level why either, Whitney. You know, a really like a system to scrape away our own internal bullshit to try and get to the real reason why we're doing what we do. And, you know, if you think about uh, a person who might be willing to lose sleep, hustle, invest, I mean, we you and I have done this and and maybe the listener, depending on what field you're into, you know, there are times where maybe you go without sleep, you go without food, you go without taking care of yourself to try and hit a specific goal you have in your life, whether that's a success metric or a financial metric. We've all done some version of this, even if it's just, you know, in high school or college cramming all night for an exam the next day. Many of us know what that feels like. But I think underneath the money or underneath the success or the Instagram fame or whatever it is someone is acquiring as uh, an asset in their life, it's like, all right, but like, why? What is what is this actually for? And I know I've I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think it's important to bring up again is that you know underneath the idea of making a certain amount of money or getting a certain number of followers or a certain number uh, a certain amount of influence, however that that's metrically measured. To me, it always goes back to the the four dual basic urges. And I've talked about my mentor, Michael, and his teachings in his system of transformational anthropology. But for a second, Whitney, it's like, let's just put the, the money aside. It's like, okay, well, what does that represent to that person? You know, if we look at on the gain side of this, does does that money and that level of success with this kind of thing, does it give them more pleasure and comfort? Does it give them more attention? Does it give them more a sense of approval or importance and significance? Or on the opposite side of these urges, does it help them escape from uh, pain and discomfort? You know, does it does it inoculate them against rejection or abandonment? Does it help them avoid disapproval, or does it does it it does it help them overcome feelings of inferiority? Right. I think for for most of us conditioned people. It's like they're either chasing the pleasure, comfort, attention, approval, significance, or they're trying to escape pain, discomfort, rejection, disapproval, inferiority, right? Where you dig deeper into the psychology of all this, you know, maybe on some level, them getting 20,000 in a week or however many followers is part of their lesson as a human being of examining these things that, oh, maybe they don't feel great after making 20K. Maybe it's just like shrug. Maybe they get a million followers on Instagram and it's a shrug. You know, maybe it's part of that person's life journey to examine what is the point of all that then? If there's no joy at the end of it or it's just a big shrug fest, why do it? Just a big shrug fest. I love that. And I'm so glad that you said all of that, Jason. And I think this shows a lot too. You know, 
I hesitated to share those numbers with you yesterday because I was afraid that you were going to beat yourself up when you heard them. No, I honestly, Whitney, don't give a fuck. I really don't. Because wherever I'm at right now, psychologically, for whatever their karma or their life journey is, and when I say I don't give a fuck, I don't mean that in a nihilistic way. Like in years past, it would have triggered me. Like you said, let me let me just get really real about it. In years past, I think I would have been like, fuck, what are we doing wrong? We've been doing this over a decade. Why are they getting all of it? Blah, blah, blah. Look, their marketing, who they are, their life story, what their desires are, what they are trying to acquire or avoid is very different than you and I. So who am I to judge, right? Like, they're doing better than we are. They must be better marketers. They must be better content creators. They must be way more influential. But if I dig under the hood of who these who this person is or who these people are, chances are I'll go like, I don't want their life. I don't want their life. You know, and I think one of the one of the things for me that I'm using and employing if I start to feel like I'm falling down the pit of the comparison trap wit is do I actually want to trade places with them? Is that what I would want, honestly? Because for whatever reason, in their karma and their life path, they needed the 20 grand. Did we? Would it have been great? Sure. Would we may or may not have appreciated it more? Sure. But for some reason, we weren't meant to do that, right? Like we don't know why. So there's a part of surrender, I think, Whitney, that I use so that I don't fall down that pit of comparison of for whatever cosmic reason, karmic reason, they needed that money and they needed that success. I think that's that's such a great perspective. And it's it's great to hear too that your mental health is at that place where you can examine it that way because I think it can be so detrimental to get into the comparison trap or the not enoughness, the why did this person get something that I wanted, you know, and we've talked uh definitely offline and I see this a lot actually on TikTok. There's a trend right now. It seems to be kind of emerging, but it's certainly nothing new because we've seen this in a lot of different platforms of like I've worked so hard and I did all of this stuff and I didn't get these results and somebody who's not working as hard as me is getting it instead and why do they deserve it more than me and why haven't I had that and you know on and on it's just why it's all about comparison and to your point Jason like we don't know the why and it's kind of like a unique maybe not unique but everybody has their own special history that comes together in a certain way that that creates certain results and and I think they're has been an unfortunate conditioning that we've had. And this ties into the marketing perspective because it is all marketing. We have been marketed slash conditioned to believe that if we follow XYZ steps that we'll get this result. And yet when we see people that don't do those steps and get the same results, it's very confusing and frustrating. It's frustrating when we see, we've been told if you put in 10 years of work, it'll all pay off. But a lot of the times it hasn't paid off in the ways that we thought it was going to. It might have just paid off differently. And then when you see somebody who gets the results that you've been working for for 10 years and they get them in a year or less, you think, well, why do they deserve them? Why didn't they have to work for 10 years? Why did I work for 10 years and not even achieve the same results that that person got in one year? That can be very mentally challenging simply because we've been conditioned to believe that we deserve something because we did X, Y, Z. Yeah, I think the slippery slope here too, that's important to acknowledge. And this is just my life experience, right? You talked about making a certain amount of money in a week, right? And I think where my mind goes, Whitney, is this tendency that humans have to have the shine wear off of certain experiences or the appreciation wear off of certain experiences 
or um, or our tendency as human beings to take things for granted after a certain point. And you know, I remember being on the TV show, and I remember getting a check for like forty thousand dollars. You know, and it was like, holy shit. It was just like, what the fuck? Like $40,000. It was just this moment of like, oh my God, for me, that was just, you know, almost like stultifying. It was like, I had to take a moment and just take all that in, you know, but if I fast forward, you know, six months later was the feeling of like, oh my God, I made 40 grand still there. No, it was like life just happens and things need to be paid for and debts need to pay off, be paid off. And that's when I moved into that condo that I had years ago that you remember is it's like, you know, the initial like, oh my God, this is amazing moment. It wears, right? And I think there's also this feeling of like, you want something so much, whether that's a certain income or these sort of finite material metrics of success that the world encourages us to chase. You buy a new house or, you know, you move into an apartment you really wanted, or you get a car or a motorcycle you wanted. There's that excitement of getting the thing you've wanted. But at a certain point, the excitement, it might not wear off completely, but it's never as amazing as the moment that you get it. Now, why is this important to discuss? Because I think that baked into capitalism, baked into this encouragement of consumption to continue breeding and encouraging us to be consumers, is this idea of knowing that we're going to pine for things. We're going to desire things. We're going to compare ourselves to our friends and neighbors and family and want what they have, or most times greater than what they have. Like, oh, Jim next door got a Volvo. Well, guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to get an Audi. And then, oh yeah, you know, Edward next door is going to see me and my Audi and he's going to get a Tesla. And, you know, Joan is going to see Edward and his Tesla and she's going to go out and, you know, get a freaking Rivian, whatever the hell it is. You know, it's, this is baked into capitalism and marketing. And so it's important to know that you know, you make 20 grand in a week from a promotion. Oh, dope. I'm going to put a down payment on my new house. You get the new house. Oh, dude, you know, dope. I'm going to go get the new Lambo. It wears off. And it's part of the intrinsic mechanism that keeps us buying shit and keeps us underappreciating stuff because they know that at a certain point, the shine is going to fade and we're going to want more and more and more and more and more. It's all interrelated, right? It's, it doesn't mean it's bad to want things, but I think it's important to be honest with ourselves that the constant desire for more, better, faster, bigger, different, it doesn't lead to joy. It doesn't really lead to lasting happiness. You know, it, it reminds me too, Wit, of the people that I've met over the course of my life that have had like unconscionable, just wealth beyond like, you know, crazy stuff. And a common thing that I've noticed with, with meeting and interacting with people like this there's a gentleman who we know kind of proverbially through a friend of ours and I've been to his house and it's like, you know, he's got the McLaren and the Lambo and the G-Wagon and the Tesla and, you know, but it's like he's constantly buying more and more stuff because it's like boring. You know, buying a $400,000 car to him is like, Pah. it's sock money. You know, so th there's almost like a boredom and a lack of appreciation and you get the thing, the shine wears off, the excitement wears off, and then you need the next thing. So it doesn't really matter whether you're, you know, exorbitantly wealthy or you're a regular person. I think we're all kind of subject to the same manipulation and the same pitfalls of wanting, 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 and and kind of the cycle never ends unless we're like, you know what? I don't want a bunch of new stuff all the time. 
And maybe that also wraps into the training and the courses and the books and the coaching and everything you and I are talking about is I think that some people, instead of, you know, cars and houses and motorcycles and whatnot, or whatever it is, jewelry, watches, they're almost like self-development junkies, right? And I know people like this, that they'll go to Tony Robbins, they'll go to Brendan, they'll go to Michael Hyatt, they'll go to Ty Lopez, they'll go to whoever the fuck it is. And they'll just go over and over and over and over again. They'll buy the books, they'll buy the courses, they'll do the coaching, they'll pay 50, you know, $100,000 for the mastermind. And they're almost like addicted to self-improvement. And I think it's important, again, for us to acknowledge what are we actually going for? What are we chasing? Significance, importance, approval, attention, trying to avoid being ignored, trying to avoid feeling like maybe we don't matter. I mean, we really, as individuals, have to get deep into the psychology of why the fuck we do what we do. Because I think a lot of times we realize that we're chasing things and we don't even realize we're chasing them. Do you know what I mean, Wet? Yes, absolutely. And it it is a, a matter of awareness. And I think that's what's made this conversation so interesting is that it's awareness as a consumer and it's awareness as a marketer, as a creator. It's really examining why we're doing things. And and I'm constantly thinking about this. And noticing, and you know, it, it's tricky to step out of this matrix because it is so baked into our psychology. And I think the same is true with social media for sure, is looking at like, why do we do what we do on social media? This is part of a conversation I had in my group Beyond Measure today. One of the participants asked that question, and we were specifically talking about posting about the holidays. And whether or not we are spending time with loved ones, which is such a sensitive subject right now due to COVID, there's a lot of opinions online about should you see somebody, should you not, should you fully isolate yourselves, like on and on. There's just a lot of judgment and, you know, a variety of opinions, which makes it very complicated. You know, it's like COVID best practices are not black and white. And it's certainly shining a light on us as human beings and our tendencies and our desires and whether or not something feels safe or unsafe and how it affects other people, et cetera. And we are talking about whether or not to post on social media during Thanksgiving because A, like, what's the point in general? Like, I was thinking about this, like, why do I need to share a picture of what I'm eating? You know, like, okay, maybe people like to see that. But then what? (laughs) What happens beyond the like, you know? But the other question was like, let's say you spent Thanksgiving with somebody. Now, do you have to explain to everybody like what you did? Like I've been seeing this too, is people post pictures with their family and the caption is like this long in-depth explanation of how long they quarantined and how many tests they got and how they decided it. You know, it's like each of us feel like we have to justify ourselves so much And then part of me is thinking, how many people aren't posting online because they're feeling shame, because they feel like they have to hide things? And so this is part of a bigger conversation, but it it ultimately ties back into this and why we do what we do. Why do we make these decisions? Why do we feel the way that we feel? And it's very complex. 
You know, it, it you can sit back and, and overanalyze every choice you make, or you can simply just do it. And I think ultimately, whether you're buying something or you're selling something, it does come down to what is your gut instinct in that moment and really tuning in. Like, do you need to be doing this? Does this have a greater purpose? Is this a short-term thing or a long-term thing? Does this actually bring you joy? Does this make you feel good? Does this contribute to the world in a positive way? And we're not always going to go through that thought process. Sometimes we just buy something to buy something. Sometimes it feels good to sell something. You know, sometimes things work, sometimes they don't. Sometimes we buy something and we love it. Sometimes we buy something and we never use it. We don't have to take it super seriously, but I enjoy evaluating things to an extent. And it certainly feels therapeutic to discuss it as we have today. And hopefully it has benefited you, the listener, as well. We, we certainly would love your feedback and your thoughts. It brings me so much joy when I get a direct message or an email from one of you as a listener. In fact, some of the listeners of the show are people in my personal life. And and that's even greater. Jason, I think I've told you this, but one of my family members listens to the show and maybe she's listening right now. And sometimes she'll text me and, and say like, oh, I listened to this episode and she'll like write me these in-depth responses to the show. And it is awesome to read. Like I genuinely love hearing from people like yourself as a listener. So if you feel called to share something with us, to give us feedback, to continue the conversation, please do. If you have our phone number, send us a, a text. <laughs> most, <laughs> most of you will, can can actually recreate that simply by sending us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. You can email us. Our email is hello at wellevator.com. Wellevator is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. That's our domain name of our website. That is our username on social media. Or you can just search for This Might Get Uncomfortable podcast and you'll find our website as well. As we mentioned, there are show notes and resources. And speaking of which, Jason, I think now is the time for you to do your brand shout out, to finish this brand shout out sandwich that we started at the beginning of this episode. The conclusion of the shout out sandwich is going to be me gushing about a new company that I discovered through our mutual friend, Mr. Matthew Rogers. So a little bit of backstory real quick. Matthew is one of our favorite people. I've personally known Matthew for at least 11 years. He was one of the first pastry chefs at Cafe Gratitude in San Francisco, along with uh, Tiziana Alipo Tambora. They really innovated raw vegan desserts on a level that had never been done before with cakes and pies and chocolates and truffles. Anyone who's ever been to the original version of Cafe Gratitude in the city of San Francisco, those desserts were groundbreaking. The stuff that they were doing in 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, it was just for me, especially coming out of culinary school, like a holy shit, how did they do this type of moment? So I had the good fortune to meet Matthew many years later and gush all over him. He posted recently that he is now the head formulator and chocolatier for a company called Recreate. And this is a company that was launched by the Stanley Brothers, who actually had a, uh, put a company called Charlotte's Web on the map. Anyone who is in into CBD, THC, cannabis, Charlotte's Web, one of the OG brands. They have a new brand called Recreate, and the website is recreatecannabis.com. We'll link to it in the show notes.com at, at wellevator.com. And 
they reached out. I, I had mentioned something about how excited I was that Matthew's involved with the company and how he's a master chocolatier. And they sent me a message back and said, hey, you know, would you like a, a sample of some stuff? I said, actually, the timing of this is perfect because I just got in a motorcycle accident. I'm going to have surgery. And they sent me, Whitney, a care package of CBD, THC, botanical infused products. They sent me their relief tincture. They sent me their relax tincture, their sleep tincture, and their everyday tincture. They did not send me chocolates yet, but I actually want to you know, email them back and see if they've got any chocolate samples. But And if you get those, I'm pointing at myself right now. I would like you to share some with me. I was anticipating the hook a sister up gesture, the, fi- the thumb pointing at Whitney. That's her hook me up communication with me. So the cool thing is, Whitney, they have these tinctures, again, that are a blend of MCT oil, CBD, THC in different ratios. They actually have one, a relief one that uh, has turmeric extract that I've been taking during the day, which if, you, if you've detected the listener over the past few episodes, if I sound high at any moment or loopy, that is the reason why. I have actually chosen to take these tinctures instead of the narcotics. This is not a medical recommendation. We are not medical professionals. But for me, in this recovery from surgery, I've had a lot of pain. And in fact, on Thanksgiving, I was just in in a ton of pain and it comes and it goes. So I found that these recreate formulas, Whitney, are so wonderful because I don't have to take the codeine or the narcotics or some of the you know, more, I guess, chemical options to manage my pain. I can use their tinctures and they're phenomenal. The branding is gorgeous. They have gummies. They have these chocolates and the chocolates too, Whitney. Like their sleep formula, they have valerian root. Their focus, they have lion's mane mushroom. Uh, Their relax has ashwagandha. They have a relief formula that has shaga in it. So for anyone who knows, we love medicinal mushrooms. We love superfoods. We love activated functional products. So I just want to give a massive shout out and a huge dose of appreciation. See what I did there? Dose of appreciation to recreate to Matthew Rogers for turning me on to this brand. And thank you guys for helping me manage my pain after the motorcycle accident and the surgery. I just can't recommend these guys enough. So we will link to their website again and their products in the show notes at wellevator.com. And Whitney, yes, I'm going to see if I can get my hands on this chocolate and hook you up with some of this because so far... Their tinctures have been delicious and effective and have made all the difference for me, you know, from having just a massive, massive amount of pain. So props to Recreate and their entire team. And with that, dear listener, we are nearing the end of this episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable. So to dig into Recreate's products, to dig into any of the resources and books and further learning, including our course, The Consistency Code, wellness warrior training. We also have a ton of free resources. We have like, what, three or four eBooks now, Whitney? We have so many great video trainings. Our website is just chock full of goodies. We hope you take advantage of them and dive all the way in. Again, it's wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com, where you will find the show notes for this episode and all of those free goodies for you to dive into. And you can follow us on all the social media networks. As Whitney mentioned, if you want to shoot us a DM, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, YouTube. We're on all the all the big platforms. So with that, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you sending us these messages, whether they're through text or DM or homing pigeon or through telegraph, or if you want to just send us some old snail mail. We should have that option too, Whitney, for people to just send us snail mail. Maybe we'll do that in the next episode is give people our PO box so they can send us a good old fashioned letter. We love getting letters. So until next time, 
Thank you for being with us. Thanks for getting uncomfortable. And we'll be back with another episode in a few short days. Thanks. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to WellEvator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.